0: The Lloyd's List Shipping Podcast. Hello and welcome to the Lloyd's List Podcast. It's June, which means that next week, the IMO's Marine Environment Protection Committee meets for another session of likely grueling negotiations on action to curb emissions from international shipping. The focus will primarily be on finalizing short-term measures that target operational and technical efficiency. And while preliminary negotiations last week among governments highlighted just how contentious even these short-term measures can be, their likely adoption by the MEPC next week should also mark the beginning of new negotiations on longer-term issues and regulations that will define shipping emissions for decades to come. This week, we spoke with Aoife O'Leary, International Climate Director at the Environmental Defense Fund Europe, about how she sees this year playing out. And how she expects the all-important question of a market-based measure for shipping to move forward. So for last week we had the IMO intercessional meeting on greenhouse gas emissions where governments provisionally agreed to certain carbon intensity reductions from 2023 through to 2026 And the feeling that I got from speaking to people on both sides of the argument, if you like, was one of frustration and even disappointment. Uh, I think it's fair to say that some people felt that there was not enough progress being made with the targets that were agreed to, while others were quite disappointed with the lack of unity that countries displayed throughout the week. Now, this was a discussion, of course, on short term measures to reduce emissions. And with that in mind, do you believe there was sufficient progress achieved last week?
1: I think there was significant progress. And the the reason I say that is because I think it's still very open and I'll be very interested to see what happens with the short term measures at MEPC. I think a lot of countries are reconsidering their position or reevaluating the uh, draft text that came out of iswg and there's still a lot of room for improvement i mean when we're talking about climate change we know that it's not about i mean it is about getting to zero in 2050 or hopefully earlier but it's also about how many emissions come out this year next year the year after so those short-term reductions that we can bring in terms of efficiency, slow steaming etc are just so super important in terms of reducing the acceleration of our climate crisis. And I think countries are realizing that what we have on the table is really not going to get us there. It's not even necessarily going to meet the targets in the initial strategy uh, for 2030, which is really quite worrying. So I think there will be a lot more on this and that gives me hope because um, you know for quite a while it's been it seems like a lot of countries are more interested in getting an agreement than getting a good agreement um so i think watch this space for mepc
0: well that's a much more optimistic view than the one i got from some of the people i spoke to and again it's important to remember that these are short-term measures And in the grand scheme of things, we haven't even gotten to the really difficult regulatory negotiations yet. But 2021 certainly feels like a very important year. We have two MEPCs. We have the one next week and then one more in November. We have the European Commission coming out with its proposal to include shipping in the EU carbon market, as well as other relevant proposals on shipping emissions this summer. And of course, we have COP26 in November. So there really is a long list of developments this year. And for me, that means that we should expect some level of progress in policy and regulation of shipping emissions. But what do you expect will have happened by the end of this year in terms of regulation of shipping emissions?
1: I expect a lot will have happened for sure. I think you've characterized it really well there that there's just so much happening. And all of us who are following this, whether from, you know, an environmental NGO like me or if you are one of the regulators or the industry itself, there's just a lot to even keep up with, um, which I think is fantastic because that's what we need in shipping and every other sector There's very, very rarely one silver bullet that will solve everything. What we need generally are a multitude of policies. And as you've said, you know, we've been focusing very much on the short term measures in the IMO and they are very, very important. But ultimately, we do need a fuel switch. We need to move away from fossil fuels and we don't have any policies in place yet that will drive that at all. So I think what we will get this year is a substantial discussion in MEPC next week as the kind of first carbon pricing discussion we've had in quite a long time. And I think when we see the MEPC later in this year, in November, it's going to be so much more concrete. And I would expect in November that there will be a lot more proposals on the table. At the moment, we only have one from the Solomon Islands and the Marshall Islands, which I think is, is a brilliant proposal and deserves a lot of discussion, time and credit. And there's brilliant um, elements in there that can be drawn out. But for example, we've heard from Musk this week that they're calling for a carbon price traffic area has been calling for quite a while. We're increasingly hearing from more and more parts of the industry that they are interested. And even uh, ICS, WSC, others have said it's time to discuss an MBM. So what I would hope for is a number of proposals on the table where we can draw together the common elements and really start to bring them forward. And for them to not just be discussed in MEPC, but also have dedicated working streams such as the short term measures have had. But to tie into that, obviously, there's COP, as you've said So I think we're going to see more and more big announcements from countries, industry, etc. I think a lot of it will come around the 2050 target. Uh, The US, Belgium and some others have come out to say they want the IMO target for 2050 increased to zero. It's currently at at least 50%. So that's, you know, a significant tightening. But allied to that, you know, you can't tighten the target for 2050 without really getting realistic about policy. Um, And to date, the IMO has not been realistic about policy. The EU is now, as you said, bringing forward uh, shipping into its carbon market along with some fuel mandates, et cetera. So it'll be really interesting to see the detail on those. And I'm really excited because I think what the EU is going to do will really accelerate discussions in the IMO Shipping is a global industry and it should have global regulation. But at the same time, we can also have regional regulation and we can also have national regulation. It doesn't have to be one single policy. So I expect a lot of movement forward. I expect it to be a lot of positive movement forward. And I expect to be exhausted from uh, posting on my LinkedIn all these wonderful announcements from industry and countries So very much excited to see what happens in 2021. Um, But especially in 2022, when we really start to get into the meat of those um, proposals, because as I said, I think they're going to really come forward later this year. And then hopefully 2023, we can agree one, get it on the books pretty quickly.
0: Yes, the only certain thing is that there won't be a shortage of developments to cover. And while we're looking ahead, I do want to discuss something that you brought up, and that's the question of the market-based measure. Now, obviously, international shipping does not have a market-based measure today, but there is certainly growing momentum for its introduction, or at least its negotiation. And in many ways, a market-based measure is seen as the pinnacle. Of shipping emissions regulations uh, we've seen countries organizations and companies as you mentioned in favor of discussing market-based measures um, and that could take the form of a carbon tax and emissions trading system a fuel levy or some other kind and the marshall islands and solomon islands proposal which you referred to is the only really concrete proposal we have for an mbm today It calls for a carbon tax of $100 per tonne of CO2 on all ships starting from 2025. And it includes a suggested revenue allocation mechanism. So we're still early on in the process of this MBM discussion. But why do you think a carbon tax is so important for international shipping? What implications do you see from it? And what do you think of the Marshall Islands, Solomon Islands proposal?
1: Yeah, I think a carbon tax is... Just incredibly important. I think your, your characterization of it as kind of the pinnacle of greenhouse gas regulation is right, though I would say it's not going to be the final one. Um, as I said, we're going to need several different regulations. But to explain why we at the Environmental Defense Fund are um, so supportive of carbon pricing for shipping, if you look at the characterization of the shipping industry, what you have are highly capitalized assets that live for two three decades and at the same time when you look at where the science is telling us we need to go in terms of future fuels which are probably going to be ammonia hydrogen those are again very expensive and if you then think about other sectors that have those kind of characteristics you could throw your mind back 20-30 years to large-scale solar large-scale wind as they were getting off the ground and the way that those were de-risked for investors was you put a little charge on everyone's electricity bill and that charge went into a fund which then ensured that those investors knew they were going to get a return on those assets and I think that's something like what we need in shipping. Shipping is global and so there's no one country for which it really makes sense to do this alone. The EU is definitely moving forward but ideally you would look at it on a global scale. And there's also just so much to gain worldwide. You can produce ammonia and hydrogen from renewable energy. And indeed, in many ways, you you should be using that pathway to produce those fuels or whatever pathway you use. You've got to look at all of the life cycle emissions. But there are a number of countries around the world who are waking up to the fact that they have huge capacity for renewable energy that is not currently drawing uh, investors. But shipping can actually be the catalyst for that. If we create a carbon price, a serious carbon price that can then actually fund a lot of that fuel development around the world, it will not only ensure that we get the deployment of the zero emission vessels, but it will actually create good, clean jobs around the world. And I would take Chile as an example of a country that has really... um, I guess, gotten excited about this. You know, the Minister of Energy has been on a number of different webinars. Chile is looking at a hydrogen strategy. So I really expect that this carbon pricing discussion, because we've had them in the past, I mean, it's going to be different for a number of different reasons. The climate conversation has completely changed and and moved on. But what I think we will see is all of these countries going, oh, hang on, this is actually a way to make my country stronger and bring jobs, et cetera, into the country. So I will see a lot of that. And I know you asked specifically about the um, proposal from the Marshall and the Solomon Islands as well. And I think it's, it's a brilliant proposal, I would say, um, in terms of the distribution of revenues, that need to be looked at a little bit more um, because there is. proportion of the revenues going to R&D and I really just don't see R&D as something the shipping uh, industry needs. What it needs is subsidies for the deployment of the zero emission vessels Um, but otherwise I mean I think it's a great proposal. I think it's nicely done with a, a low administrative burden. I think it could move forward quite quickly so I would really like to see a lot of support uh, from those countries that think there's nice elements in there. And those who don't like that proposal for whatever reason, I would urge them to bring forward their own proposals to MEPC later in the year. Um, And I imagine that is what we will see. So I'm really excited to hear the discussion on the Solomon and Marshall's proposal and then also see how that develops and see what other proposals come forward to uh, move that conversation forward.
0: The specific proposal will be discussed for the first time at the MEPC that starts next week. But we do know regulation moves fairly slowly. But given the momentum that we are seeing for market-based measures now, when do you realistically expect it to come in and have you identified a price that you think is appropriate?
1: Yeah, so in terms of the timeline, um, obviously, you know, it needs to be as soon as possible. Um, really, though, if it's not by 2025, then we've absolutely uh, missed 1.5 degrees. I mean, it really needs to be earlier than that for, for 1.5. We're, we're getting super close to 1.5 degrees of warming already. But if you look at any of the analysis for keeping in line with the Paris Agreement, we need significant deployment of zero emission vessels in this decade. So by 2030, we have to have zero emission vessels sailing deep sea routes. So when you take that into perspective, you know, really, 1st of January 2025 is the latest the market-based measure can come into force. Um, And if we're not making that, then, well, you know, I don't want to, Really contemplate that, but it's it's quite a depressing future. And I think what we need to remember is this is not some abstract concept. Climate change means millions of people will die, loads of people will lose their livelihoods, and that's you know one of the big reasons that the Marshall's and the Solomon Islands are bringing forward these proposals because they see their entire future at risk. So. I can't really separate in my head timescales from the wider timescales of the climate crisis. And I think we just need to any market based measure discussion needs to be put in that context. I mean, to be honest, um, I don't have one specific price that I am like. This is the one that you must have. Um, I think there's a, a range of different numbers. There's different ways you can do it. Um, one of the things has to be definitely looking at those countries that might be disadvantaged from a price and ensuring that they are compensated in some way or, or not too negatively affected. Um, another is trying to uh, ensure that fuels are cost comparative. So obviously, fossil fuels at the moment are so much cheaper than using ammonia, hydrogen. So there's a variety of different analysis of exactly what that price should be to bring them together. And then there's also looking at deployment and how much money would we need to ensure we have enough fuel around the world for the shipping industry. So from my perspective, I'm less interested in exactly what the price ends up being so much as we put those principles into how we decide the price and that also the price is something we can keep returning to. Um, because, you know, ultimately, the whole point of a market-based measure is to reduce emissions. And if we are going with a levy system that doesn't have a defined cap, then we need to ensure that we continually watch the emissions trajectory and make sure it is actually going down. And if it's not, return and put that price up or put other regulations alongside it.
0: Well, we're going to keep discussing this issue over the next few years. But for now, Aoife, thank you very much for joining us.
1: You're welcome. Thanks for having me.